day on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. I think we would all do well, again I include myself, when you're going through a very difficult time, to take the time and just remember all of those times where God carried you and pulled through for you. Oftentimes it was at the 11th hour, right? You know, God's timing is perfect, right? God's never late, but He's never early either. But He's always perfectly on time. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Isaiah. Have you ever been in a situation so difficult that all hope was lost? Have you ever been in a rut only to find frustration when you can't overcome it? Today, Pastor J.D. explains that God will always come through for you. When you're at your lowest, He will always show up. Give your life to God and feel security like never before. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Isaiah chapter 46 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth. God loves you, period. It's not God loves you when or if or however or but or not right now. (laughs) Kind of like the husband will say to the wife or the wife will say to the husband. Usually it's the wife to the husband, not my wife because I have a perfect marriage. I'm the pastor, but... You know, I, I love you, but I don't like you right now. Okay. Well, God never says that. God loves me no matter what. There's nothing that I can do to make God love me less. And by the way, that's one of the lies of the enemy, and don't let the enemy get away with that. Because, see, the enemy is right there a thousand times a day, to try to deceive you to believe that God's love is kind of like our love. It's predicated upon what we do or don't do. God loves us no matter what. And there's nothing, Romans 8, that can separate us from the love that God has for us. Do you realize the implications of that? Here's a way to see it and say it. You take the godliest Christian you know, and usually it's one of these things, well, of course God loves them, but me, little me. It's kind of like we have this scale, this rating system, right? On a scale of one to ten, God loves them. They're a ten. You know, I'm pushing the envelope trying to get to a two. No. God loves me as much as He loves them. And that goes both ways, by the way. I think of the Apostle Paul who said, be very careful on this one. Don't think more highly of yourself than you ought. You know what that sounds like or looks like? Well, God loves me more than He loves you. No, He doesn't. He loves me just the same as He loves you. He loves me so much. There's no way that this side of glory, I could ever comprehend or fathom the love that God has for me. It's a ferocious love. 
He is ferociously protective of me. You think about as a parent, you see your child and they need you. Are you not going to be there for them? Why? Because you love them. You need to carry them. You're going to carry them. Even just hearing your young child cry, there's a reason why it just, it makes you act and respond. How much more will the Lord in His love for us hearken unto the voice of our cry? When our boys were young, they had this whole thing about let them cry it out. We tried that, my wife and I. We read all the books. Oh, you know, they have all these books on parenting, volumes, I mean voluminous works on parenting. So we read them all. I mean, huge library, couple shelves on the bookshelf on parenting. We thought, man, we got this down. And then our first son was born, and we realized we knew absolutely nothing about parenting. I think I burned them. I know I threw them away at least, but it was kind of like, are you kidding me? You know, here's one book. Let him cry it out. Well, I tried it. I'll never forget it. So, I'm looking at my wife. She's looking at me. You're supposed to let him cry it out. <laughs> I think I lasted about a minute and 30 seconds. I just finally ran into the room, grabbed him, carried him, and he stopped crying. Hmm. It's all good now. How much more so with the Lord? Our loving Heavenly Father, He loves us so much. Verse 5, to whom will you liken me and make me equal and compare me that we should be alike? They, verse 6, lavish gold out of the bag and weigh silver on the scales. They hire a goldsmith and he makes it a god. They prostrate themselves. Yes, they they worship. Oh, they bear it on their shoulder. They carry it and they set it in its place and it stands from its place. It shall not move. Though one cries out to it, yet it cannot answer nor save him out of his trouble. Okay, you'll forgive me for, I know they have clinical terms for this, but this is so humorous. This is one of those places where I'm just reminded that God has a sense of humor. Do you see the humor in this? You know you're in trouble when you have to carry your God instead of your God carrying you. You got a problem when you got to carry your God. Wait, my God made me and he carries me, but wait, you made your God and you carry it? No, thank you. And I mean, (laughs) so you make this thing 
And then you bow down prostrate before it and you worship it and you cry out to it. And surprise, surprise, it does not answer. Why does it not answer? It cannot. Why can it not answer? Because it's not God. That's why. And you, I mean, you, and you put it in its place. And you set it there. Uh, we read this, I think, a couple of chapters ago, uh, three, four weeks ago. The, you've got to steady it so it doesn't fall over. So wait a minute, let me see if I got this straight. Your God can fall over and break? Yeah, ask the Philistines about that. The Ninevites too, by the way, because they worship this God, His name, Dagon. When the Philistines had captured the Ark of the Covenant, they put it next to this God, which by the way was a half-fish, half-man God. Half fish, half man. That was this God this that they created. So they, they brought the Ark of the Covenant, big mistake, and they put it in the temple of their God, Dagon. And then they go the next morning to worship their God at the temple. And wouldn't you know it, <laughs> their God fell over, prostrate before the Ark of the covenant. Okay, you got a problem because your God fell before my true and living God. And then, so they hurry up, make sure nobody's looking, put it back up, but it kind of broke, so they got to get the super glue out and kind of put them back together. And then it happens again, and they finally figure out, you know what? Let's get rid of this thing. Our problem started when we brought this ark into the temple of our Dagon God. Dagon it. I hate it when that, <laughs> right? The Ninevites. Do you ever wonder why when Jonah was, and I, I'm sorry, but it's actually the text says that this big fish, presumably a whale, barfed him up on the beach. And he's been in the belly of the whale three days, three nights, a type by the way. Jesus even refers to Noah. Anyway, he's barfed up on the beach. And the Ninevites, the, you know, the, he does not preach the gospel. He doesn't even give them any, any hope, nothing. Just, he didn't want to be there in the first place, obviously, but he basically just tells them, you know, uh, in 40 days, God is going to torch you, and I can't wait. In fact, I'm going to go up here and wait. I want to watch it. You guys are toast. And then much to his consternation, I mean, he's literally angry with God because they repented. Did you ever wonder why? I mean, this I always love to contrast Jonah with Jeremiah. Who would you have speak at your conference? Jeremiah didn't have one person get saved. Jonah had a whole, I mean, not just a nation, not just a people, but these were the worst of the worst, and they all repent. And Jonah's like, are you kidding me? And he's mad at God. 
Well, here's the thing. They worshiped this same God, half man, half fish. Now think about this. If you worship a God that is half man and half fish, and one day you go to the beach, and a fish barfs out a man, and says you're going to be torched, you got my attention. (laughs) What's the point? The point is, God will reach you right where you're at. He'll use whatever means, whatever it takes, because it's not God's will that any should perish, but that all should come to a saving knowledge and come to repentance. Verse 8, remember this, and show yourselves men. Recall to mind, O you transgressors. And this is important, verse 9, and I want you to hang on to this. Remember the former things of old, for I am God, and there is no other. I am God and there is none like me, declaring, verse 10, the end from the beginning, and from ancient times things that are not yet done, saying, my counsel shall stand, and I will do all my pleasure, calling a bird of prey from the east, speaking of Cyrus, the man who executes my counsel from a far country. Indeed, I have spoken it. I will also bring it to pass. I have purposed it. I will also do it. Now, as you know, I purposely emphasize the I. I think about how many times God commanded Moses to have Aaron speak to the people. Hear, O Israel, I am the Lord your God. I am the Lord your God. Now here, through the prophet Isaiah, God is, for lack of a better way of saying it, making his case. You're trying to compare me with other gods, okay, and we saw this as well, Uh, let's have them do what only I can do. What's that? Oh, uh, know the end from the beginning? Let's have them predict and prophesy and declare that there's going to be a man that hasn't even been born yet. In fact, his parents haven't even been born yet. And I'm going to tell you some 200 years prior that this man is going to be born and his parents are going to name him Cyrus 200 years before. Okay, Mr. Fancy Nancy false God worshiper, let's have your God do that. Go ahead. Go ahead. They cannot because they are not gods. I want to point out something that is not so easily seen at first read, and it has to do with the faith that comes from remembering, remembering what God has done in the past. Recalling all the times 
that God was faithful. Remember the former things of old? Remember what I did for you in the past? I'm the same God yesterday, today, and forever. If I did that for you then, why would I not do that for you now? I think of David. It's, it's really one of my go-tos when it comes to this. You know the account. It's the well-known account of his slaying of the uncircumcised Philistine that's blaspheming the name of his God for 40 days and 40 nights, the number of judgment 40. And David is sent by his dad to go to the battlefield to check in on his older brothers who were there on the battlefield and to take them some food and some bread. And he gets there. First thing that happens when he gets there is his oldest brother, who I know was bitter towards David, because when Samuel went to the house of Jesse to anoint the next king of Israel to succeed Saul, it was a given that it would be the firstborn Eliab, and it was not. And when Eliab and all of his brothers saw that it was the youngest, who wasn't even there. In fact, Samuel makes Jesse go get him. Where is he? Oh, he's out shepherding the sheep. Perfect. How's that one? Bring him in. We're told he's ruddy. Probably smelly too, as a shepherd being with the sheep. God's preparing him for that which he's preparing for him. God does that in our lives. So he brings David and he's anointed the next king of Israel. Shows up on the battlefield and Eliab is like, what are you doing here? Go home. Go back to your, how condescending is this? You got to love the sibling rivalry. Go back to your few little sheep. This is the battlefield for men. Go home, you little runt. I'm going to take some liberties here. I think it's, you'll see why. But it's almost like David's going, wait a minute. You've been here, you big man. Oh, this is, this is for men. But I have a question for you, bro. You've been here for 40 days and 40 nights listening to this uncircumcised Philistine blaspheming the name of our God, and you're doing nothing? And you're okay with that? That's not okay. Let me at him. So then he's taken into the tent of King Saul. All of them, Saul included. In fact, I think that Saul spread the fear, which spreads like a virus, no pun intended. They were paralyzed in fear. Here's this man challenging them and their God to a fight, to a contest. And he's blaspheming the God of Israel, and they're all crippled in fear, doing nothing, 40 days and 40 nights, and they're listening to it, and we're told that he did this every day, all day, every night, all night, and they listen to that for 40 days and 40 nights. David shows up, he hears it one time, that's not okay. 
I'm going to shut that big ugly mouth right now. Let me at him. Okay, calm down, David. Calm down, Pastor, too. But let's get you. Let's. We need to. We need to get you to Saul. And you know the the account, right? And he's in there. It, it is to me just. I mean, it's. It's the epitome of irony. You got this little kid. Some believe he was in his teens. We don't know exactly his age at the time. And he's trying to convince Saul, the king of Israel, to let him go defeat this blasphemous, uncircumcised Philistine, whom he never calls by name one time. You will never find him calling him by the name Goliath. You know why? Because Goliath meant champion. And to David, he's no champion. He is a blasphemer. He is an uncircumcised blasphemer. And I'm going to put an end to it right now. And he's trying to convince Saul. And you know what it was that finally, I believe, convinced Saul to let him do it? It's when David remembered, recalled the works of God. He remembered what God had done for him prior And he recalled it and brought it into the present, that which God did in the past. And it gave him the faith. Now, let's make a distinction and delineate between faith and courage. Faith is the fuel in the tank of courage. It gave him the faith. That took faith, right? So where did he get that? By remembering. What did he remember? Oh, He said, with all due respect, King, God delivered into my hands a bear and a lion. And if God could do that, this uncircumcised Philistine is no problem. Now can I go kill him? So Saul's like, okay. So he puts his armor on anyway. I don't want to... I didn't intend to go on and on about that. It's one of my favorite, along with all my favorite accounts in Scripture. But it's my go-to when it comes to remembering what God has done for you. I think we would all do well, and again I include myself, when you're going through a very difficult time, to take the time and just remember all of those times where God carried you and pulled through for you. Oftentimes it was at the 11th hour, right? You know, God's timing is perfect, right? God's never late, but He's never early either. But He's always perfectly on time. When our daughter Noel was born, and we knew she was going to die, the medical bills started piling up. And I'm looking at this bill. We had just started the church. I'm working seven days a week. We're sleeping in shifts so we could take care of Noel. I'm going, Lord, you've never failed me. You've always provided. This is the amount of the bill. As God is my witness, I would go out to the mailbox the next day, and there would be an anonymous money order in the exact amount of that bill. 
We're so glad you joined us for this edition of In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. The book of Isaiah is an interesting one, as the prophet Isaiah spoke things that God wanted the people of Israel to hear, but they just wouldn't listen. Little did they know that much of what Isaiah spoke had bigger significance than they could have imagined. From beginning to end, the book of Isaiah touches on Jesus Christ coming later on. It refers to the announcement of his coming, his birth, his good news of salvation, his death, and his return to claim his own. Wow, what an incredible insight into the future. Sometimes things are plain right before our eyes, and we just aren't willing to see it for what it is. Although the people were ignorant in that present time, God used Isaiah to speak to them anyway and to proclaim the good news that was to come. Do you know of this good news? If not, we'd like you to check out calvarychapelkaneohe.com and head over to the resources page. There you'll find the ABCs of salvation, which goes into a step-by-step understanding the good news of Jesus. If you're in the Kaneohe area, you're always welcome to join us on Sundays or Thursdays at Calvary Chapel Kaneohe. We meet for a time of worship, fellowship, and in-depth Bible study with Pastor J.D. You can find service times, directions, and more at our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. Until we meet again, we encourage you to dive deep into God's Word and to look for more things God wants to teach you in this book of Isaiah. Looking forward to next time here on In Spirit and Truth.